thank you very much for your time. Look, homelessness, it uh, is something I am not aware of any community, any geographic location, certainly in Australia, where a, a town doesn't have some element of uh, homelessness. Quite often, uh, there's a lot of work that's done to hide that. Uh, but we have Daryl Nicholson on the line. He's uh, we, Look, we call him a Toowoomba advocate, and I know that uh, homelessness has been quite close to his heart. And rather than hiding this thing away, he's worked very, very hard to bring it to the forefront as a discussion so it gets talked about and uh, no, most definitely with a, an aim to tackle this issue that just doesn't seem to go away. Look, Paul Keating uh, famously said all those years ago that, um, you know, within a decade, I think it was, or it was a very short period of time, there will be nobody homeless and that's just not how it played out. Daryl, how are you going? Yeah, going well. Uh, thanks for this opportunity, Andrew. Really do appreciate it. Going really well. The um, Toowoomba region does some great work in um, all social uh, enterprises and, and work in the community. And mate, part of what I do on the Safer Toowoomba Regional Partnerships is we get together with um, different committee groups, community groups, and um, talk about what's going on and see if we can help each other. So today I want to introduce Rodney Watton to you, mate. He's the uh, Chief Operating Officer for Partnerships and uh, Business Development at Lifeline. Good morning, Rodney. How are you? Good morning. How are you going, Daryl? How are you going, Andrew? Yeah, really good, really good. Now, um, Daryl, you've got quite a bit because you're right across this subject. So uh, <coughs> first of all, congratulations for uh, bringing this interview about and, mm. uh, you know, no doubt, again, with the aim and you've done it for quite some time to really drive home that homelessness is not something that should be hidden away. Why do you do that? Mate, I guess you know we can see we can see it now, and, and I've, as I've got more, I tell a story about six years ago. I went to Sydney and I saw some homeless people, and I thought, ah, oh, losers, you know, it's it's all their own fault, da da da. And I had didn't have much time, and it wasn't until I met a guy by the name of Nat Spare, and um, I saw he was raising money for base services in a soup kitchen, that I went down and met Nat, and then over the next few years, I've done homeless for a night, and Rodney, I've. I, Rodney, you were out there with us this year on Homeless for a Night, weren't you? Uh, no, but uh, a number of my colleagues from the Toowoomba Housing yep. Hub they, they participated they, they this year and uh, and have over um, a number of years now. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, it is um, it's certainly an eye opener. Um, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, as one of uh, my colleagues um, indicated, at, at three a.m. that stuff's hectic, is what she said. And mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, I think uh, uh, it is a it's a really good exercise for people to do because it it really gives them a sense of what that might look like and what that might feel like. Yeah, if I can just jump in just to further uh, set the tone, just because in the intro I said that it was Paul Keating that jumped up and said, you know, there won't be any homelessness, but it was actually Bob Hawke and I thought there was uh, that possibility that that might have been the case. So I looked it up and the Sydney Morning Herald uh, has an article in it that, you know, it's really quite interesting the way that they open this because they say it was a momentary mistake that stuck with Bob Hawke and became when all was said and done one of the most memorable lines and he said, by 1990... No Australian child will be living in poverty. Mm. The then Prime Minister um, told Labor's election campaign, and that was a line back in 1987. To open it up, I mean, that sets the tone that, um, you know, that uh, statement was a mistake. But albeit, if it was a mistake, isn't it great that at least that became a discussion point? Yeah, look, I, I think, uh, and, and you've hit on a really good point because I think the 
uh, one of the underlying issues here is, in essence, uh, poverty. Um, and it is uh, people sort of living on low fixed incomes. Um, uh, and to some degree, I think because the, one of the reasons that we're experiencing more visual um, homelessness these days, uh, particularly in regional communities like Toowoomba, um, is that basically that lack of affordability, that inability for people right. uh, to affordably rent um, somewhere. Um, and what that means is a, their, their situation tends to be quite tenuous. Uh, and all it, all it needs is a bit of a disaster, a bit of family breakdown, um, even you know the car breaking down, the fridge breaking down, something to happen that um, it, it puts a bit of pressure on the family budget or on that individual's budget. Um, and it can be quite easy for someone to find themselves suddenly with nowhere to go. Um, mm. and, uh, and, and unfortunately, it can um, develop quite quickly from, you know, uh, I, you know, I spent a few nights on somebody's sofa. Um, they couldn't have me there anymore. Um, all of a sudden, I was in my car. Um, uh, all, all of a sudden, uh, you know, I, I, I was sleeping rough. Uh, and uh, it literally can happen that quickly to almost anyone. And, and Rodney, I was reading some statistics that they're really scared now that uh, women in the 40s to 50s, they're, they're the next category that could potentially become homeless. Yeah, uh, certainly uh, at the Toowoomba Housing Hub, it's um, a significant uh, component of uh, the people that are uh, coming to us seeking help. Uh, and mm-hmm. in fact, that that age group, if you like, uh, with most, both male and female, um, is the most prevalent um, age group that is accessing the service looking for support. Um, and we, we, we know that women are particularly vulnerable, particularly single mm-hmm. uh, uh, women. Um, uh, and and that's a variety of, of factors. Um, and, you know, I think some underlying, uh, you know, just disadvantage uh, uh, in, in regards to, you know, incomes, superannuation, you know, all of those things, mm-hmm. um, the effects of a family breakdown uh, often leave women very vulnerable. And, yep. uh, 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 and, and really that's our concern as, as we're moving forward. Um, uh, as a community, we, we, we're going to need to grasp um, the, the nettle of some of these issues um, mm-hmm. because, yeah, the reality is it, it, it won't be your stereotypical homeless person we're, we're dealing with in the future. It may well be someone who looks an awful lot like your mother or your aunt. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I would like to think uh, we would, um, you know, as a community, you know, we would really rally uh, to um, to deal with that. Yep. And, and Andrew, this is quite alarming when I did get involved with Matt and the team at Base Services, and I've met Helen at the Housing Hub in Rodney. 400 to 600 people are displaced in Toowoomba City every night. Now, whether they're in the streets, whether they're couch surfing or in their cars, that figure just blew my mind. And, and Rodney, can you share with us, there's four stages of... Um, of homelessness, isn't there? Can we run through those four stages um, quickly and talk yeah. about them? Yeah, yeah happy, happy to talk about that. Um, so, uh, effectively, uh, you have primary homelessness, which is uh, what we would kind of refer to as rough sleeping. So, it's it's really where you have nowhere to go. You're sleeping rough, or you're you're in a improvised um, dwelling. You might be camping at the side of the river or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a secondary homeless is that couch surfing. So, that's you might have a roof um, over your head. You might be staying in someone's garage. Um, mm-hmm. You might be uh, camping in someone's back garden. Um, 
Um, but they effectively, you have no security of tenure. You don't know how long you can stay there, and by um, you know by by default, effectively, a a your your um, a, your housing is not secure. Um, and then the tertiary housing, which is sort of the third level, that's people who might be and um, they might be staying in a shelter, they might be staying at a boarding house. But again, uh, they have a roof over their head. But um, the standard of housing is not what most of us would say was a reasonable permanent housing solution. Um, and again, often there's no security of tenure, so you know you could be asked to leave. Um, you know, within 24 hours, um, you may, you know, you simply could find yourself homeless um, in an afternoon um, and with nowhere else to go. Um, the, the the other category then falls into marginally housed, which is people that do have a housing solution, but for whatever reason, that might be tenuous. The housing might be okay, um, or in fact, the housing might be substandard, which is why it's um, tenuous. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, look, to be honest with you, there would be thousands of um, households in Toowoomba who would probably fall into that category um, if, if you mm-hmm. really analysed it from the point of view of their capacity um, and where they might be, uh, how stressed they might be in regards to paying their, their rent, uh, simply affording to pay the rent where they're living. Yeah, and you, you, the housing hub, can you talk to us a bit about how the housing hub works and um, for tenants and also landlords can contact the housing hub if they've got a property that they might want to... Um, Put under the housing hub. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. You you, you can do that, and we have um, we have a number of services we work with, including the. Uh, a, a Toomba Housing Service Centre um, and uh, the reality is often um, the, the quickest and most straightforward uh, way to get someone uh, who's either housing stressed or, or indeed homeless um, mm-hmm. housed is through the private rental market and um, uh, and often actually that's that's the majority of the housing outcomes from the hub, that's where they are and they're actually in the private rental market and that's about identifying the right sort of property um, mm-hmm. and uh, the right sort of condition and something that you can afford um, and we put a lot of time and effort into that because we know if we can um, divert someone, if we can um, get them into something sustainable uh, as a housing solution and we can do that quickly, um, often then we can stop that sort of deterioration down towards uh, something that maybe looks more like primary homelessness uh, mm-hmm. because we know once someone has spent a period of time in that primary homelessness space, um, a, a, it's a long, hard road back to getting them permanently mm. uh, permanently housed. Uh, but of course, you know, we don't uh, walk away from that either. Um, but often what happens when people are uh, experiencing primary homelessness, often we actually have to take them up through those phases. So we may place them initially in a hotel, um, which would mean that they're secondarily homeless. They've got a roof over their uh, mm-hmm. head, which is an improvement on where they were. But the bottom line is they're still homeless. Um, mm-hmm. And then we'll be moving maybe towards temporary or shelter accommodation and then hopefully a more permanent housing um, solution. But we, we, what we know is uh, prevention is much better than cure. Um, and if yep. we can work with people um, to find them somewhere sustainable uh, to live uh, while they're still just stressed uh, rather than homeless, um, then, uh, then that's the you know that's the most effective action. And uh, really, what we would like to do as a community is um, get to a place where that's our work. Um, there's actually no one experiencing homelessness. Our work is um, mm-hmm. helping people to uh, a, a divert from that um, and find a sustainable accommodation solution. Yeah, if we can talk Andrew. to the yeah, if we can talk to the landlord uh, just for the moment. Uh, for in your experience, when you divert 
people that are headed towards primary homelessness, as you put it, you divert them into the private uh, real estate sector. What's been your experience? Because landlords would be on the other side of this, seeing the application coming through if they've got it managed through their uh, real estate management uh, organisation. And uh, they quite often make decisions based on how they think that their assets are going to be looked after. What's been your experience around all of this? Um, look, look, I, 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 look, I can't say that I've never had a, a, a bad experience, if yeah. you like, in that in, in that situation. But I, I would also say we've had some really uh, fantastic um, outcomes uh, through working closely with real estate agents and both private uh, landlords. Uh, there are a number of people um, who, you know, are are willing, if you like, to give someone a go, give someone a chance. Um, there are a number of things happening um, currently uh, in the sector. We've got the uh, Tenancy Skills Institute, which is something that operates out of the hub uh, on a fairly regular basis. And it's a sort of a two-day course, uh, which helps people really understand their rights and obligations as a tenant um, and uh, how to make a, be, you know, make a successful tenancy and a sustainable tenancy. Um, and uh, you know that that um, works through, and people get a little certificate saying they've done that course. And we have a number of um, real estate agents who look very favourably on that, um, and uh, they will actually respond quite well uh, when we present someone to them, and we you know we let them know that you know this person's been working really hard um, to make themselves the best you know tenant they could be, and uh, and you know they, they you know they've gone to the trouble of actually doing this course so that they can demonstrate to you that they understand understand what their rights and obligations are um, mm-hmm. uh, and will, you know, operate as a good tenant. Um, and, of course, what we expect then from landlords is that they operate as a good landlord. Yeah. Rodney, Daryl mentioned earlier the statistics and they seem to really uh, stand out and it just doesn't seem to be a let-up or an improvement. But in your view and you being at the coalface of it all, do you think the community is stepping up and doing enough to tackle homeless, homelessness right at the root of it? Yeah, look, I, I think we're. Um, I, I think we've done a, a, an awful lot, and, and uh, you know, the, your conversation uh, uh, at the beginning, uh, you know, uh, is actually very reflective of that. I think there are a lot of people doing sleepouts. I think from the point of view of um, turning the corner around, being a bit more compassionate. Um, and understanding, mm-hmm. well, actually, you know, a few, a few, you know, if, if I was to miss a few pairs, I might find myself there as well. Um, yeah. uh, and, and also understanding that, you know, the safety net that we have isn't actually adequate to catch everybody. And um, a, and so people are, a, you know, falling through the cracks, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, a, and um, a, a whilst in some instances, a, the, you know, they may have uh, contributed, if you like, uh, but I don't think anyone has contributed in such a way that they deserve uh, to be freezing cold, you know, outside at night. Um, I, I think so. So I do think we've turned the corner in regards to um, that compassion. I think the the more difficult um, nettle to grasp um, is that housing affordability question. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think as a community, um, you know, the, the reality is the the you know homes are the solution to homelessness. Um, shelters aren't the solution to homelessness. Soup kitchens aren't the solution to homelessness. Those things uh-huh. are good ways to be compassionate to someone who is homeless, but they're not going to uh-huh. put a roof over their head. They're not going to create, create a home for them. Um, yeah. At some point or other, as, as a community, we have to realise that uh, we need to increase that supply of affordable housing, and particularly social housing. 
Um, and what that looks like for you know the rest of us, what that looks like you know for the seventy percent of us who are either purchasing the home that we're living in or already own the home that we're living in, it means perhaps you know we we need to be. Um, a bit more willing um, to, um, you know, see some of those more sort of more medium density type of um, accommodation in our neighbourhood. Um, and we also need to be not some, perhaps not so negative uh, when we hear that there's maybe some social housing going into our neighbourhood because, you know, the reality is that's that's where that housing is going to come from. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, if you really believe that everybody deserves to be housed, then you also have to believe that they deserve to be housed in your neighbourhood. Yeah, Rodney, look, you've stepped down a very interesting path because it is a path that has got widespread media and attention for sometimes really, really bad mm-hmm. reasons. But mm-hmm. do you have a view on, with social housing, what the, not the density of the, the housing per se, but the density of the social housing within a housing area? Because there's been lots of reports when you when you create high density of social housing, you can very quickly uh, head down a path of basically creating a ghetto. Mm, yeah. Uh, look, I, I actually think in Queensland, uh, we have actually done very, very well um, at that. Um, you know, we, we kind of sprinkle our housing through the community. Um, and uh, it's very rarely of a density that would be any higher than you might expect from a similar sized um, private development, you know. By, uh-huh. a, so, so the reality is, um, a, a, you know, it's been a long time since we've been building housing estates in uh, in Queensland, and and um, and actually very hard to spot the difference between social housing and and any modern build these days. To be uh-huh. honest, um, a, from an architectural perspective and from a streetscape perspective, um, the housing often, um, you know, it, it looks like it belongs there. Um, it looks like it, it should um, it should be there. Um, uh-huh. a, and, and as I said, really, if you believe that people deserve to be housed and that everybody should, you know, deserve to be housed, um, then then we have to allow that housing to be constructed. Is there a possibility that like organisations like yours, you're probably seeing the evidence anyway, anecdotal, where just because of the way that you come into contact with it, but can government look at it maybe from this perspective that if they be more strategic in social housing, you can strategically place families and it may take some work, but we're a very wealthy nation and maybe we should step up to the plate and become world leaders in this, but is there a possibility that you could have a a family or individual that's on a downward trajectory, but if you strategically place them in a an affluent area that is doing well, that you could actually just not put a roof over their head, but then they'll start forming relationships because their kids are going to the local school and the next thing there's a job opportunity and and maybe a career path. Is is that possible? Oh, it's absolutely uh, possible, and and the bottom line is, um, a you know, a, there are many many people who who live in um, social housing that that you know, a, 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 in essence, a, a once you solve the affordability issue, they thrive. You know, um, uh, the families thrive and the families do well. And uh, 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 you know, and, and what we're actually doing is creating a pathway out of out of poverty by providing that stable base. Um, uh, uh, and you know, I think we need to be realistic about that. You know, housing is social infrastructure in the same way that hospitals and schools are. 
um, mm. a, 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 it is the sort of a fundamental that people need in order for them to move on and, and, and do things well in their own life and look after themselves. I'm from a, the other perspective of that. If someone's um, in need of a lot of support, um, that is probably one of the things that we're really finding from our work at the Hub is uh, we, we've probably got two short-term uh, a frame around that. You know, we, we tend to think we'll get someone housed and we'll provide a little bit of support over, you know, a, a period of time. Um, uh, what we're finding with people that, particularly people that have experienced uh, homelessness for an extended period of time, they probably need uh, support over a much longer period. Um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but what, what we do find is where that wraparound support is really successful and coordinated, um, then you can make the housing sticky as well. You know, um, uh, yeah. people will stay in the housing um, and you can then build, you know, you can build on success. Uh, whereas if people are sort of cycling through temporary housing solutions, it's very hard to create a, you know, create an element where there's a bit of success. Um, right. You really do need the um, uh, the foundation to be in place so that you can build from there. Rodney, for those people that are listening to this and maybe they're in a position to help out, maybe they just want to know a bit more about your organisation. How do they best do that? Uh, look, I'm uh, very happy to uh, talk to people. Uh, uh, we're always happy to have visitors at the Toowoomba Housing Hub. Uh, if people want to come and have a chat with us and find out what it's all about, um, mm-hmm. it's uh, in the uh, the, the uh, basically on the ground floor of the Eastern Well uh, building at the end of the Bell Street Mall here in Toowoomba, number 10 Russell Street. Um, and people can come and, uh, and say hello. Uh, otherwise, very happy for people to uh, make contact us through the Lifeline Darling Downs uh, website. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. uh, and you can go if you do go to the contact us there. There's um, uh, both the phone numbers and uh, the uh, web links there. Yeah, Daryl. Look, you would have to yeah. really think that. Gee, if you put the effort in and you get people from a place of homelessness, whatever the level is, mm-hmm. and you turn them into productive citizens, that's got to be better for our, not just the society but also the economy. Yeah, mate. And I'm seeing it in Toowoomba. I'm seeing success stories of people who've. You know, they've got into that job, they've got into housing and it's just changed their lives and um, there's some great stories. And look, Lifeline, the housing hub, um, base services emerged. The Toowoomba Women's Collective with Proteus Place, they're doing some amazing work and I'm sure Rodney would agree with me there and the Toowoomba Safe yeah, Regional absolutely. Partnerships. Yeah, yeah. Rodney yeah. Watson, thank you very much for your time with our listeners. No, thank you. Thank you uh, both. It's been an absolute pleasure having a conversation with you today. And Daryl, the Toowoomba Advocate, well done on getting this interview to uh, air. And, you know, again, you've, you're not just an advocate for the region, but also some of the causes that are within it. Oh, definitely, mate. And we're doing some great work in Toowoomba, and I really love the Toowoomba people in the region.